Welcome to the Simply Retirement Podcast with your host, Eric Blake. This show offers valuable insights and advice on retirement planning, specifically tailored for women. Join us as we explore various challenges that arise during retirement planning and discuss practical ways to overcome them. With years of experience in retirement planning as a financial professional, Eric brings a wealth of knowledge to the table. He is joined by guests who will also offer unique perspectives and insights. Together, they provide practical tips and strategies to help you delegate some of the heavy lifting and make the most of your retirement. Whether you are a widow, divorced, or simply ready to take control of your financial future, this podcast is designed to help you navigate the complexities of retirement planning and make the most of this exciting phase of life. We take a step-by-step approach to help you understand what's next and guide you through the retirement planning journey. So sit back, relax, and let us help you build your retirement on your terms with another episode of the Simply Retirement Podcast with Eric Blake. The end of life deserves as much beauty, care, and respect as the beginning. Anonymous. Welcome to the Simply Retirement Podcast with your host, Eric Blake. I'm Wendy McConnell. Well, that's a thinker, Eric. (laughs) It is. Yeah, today... (laughs) We're just, we're just going to get right into it today. We have one of those topics, you know, that nobody really wants to talk about uh, because it, it forces us to deal with mortality, uh, whether it's ours, of course, or is the case of many of our, our clients, women that are of retirement age. A lot of times it's our parents or close family members that, that we're worried about. And we're going to be talking about end of life care today. Okay. It's a topic. It's always difficult because of the emotions that come with it that, that, are, that are involved. But as I said many times, I didn't really want this show to be just about the financial aspects of retirement. I wanted it to be about some of these real life issues that women face on their retirement journey and just helping bring the necessary resources and education to our audience to hopefully at least take some of the level of stress out of it. You know, it's hard enough as it is, but when you get the stress of dealing with family and indecision and lack of knowledge, maybe as much as anything, that's really where I wanted to uh, to bring the value to our audience here. And preparation is usually almost, you know, better than no preparation. So that's what we're aiming for here, right? You got it. All right. So we do have a guest today. Would you like to introduce her? Absolutely. So today we're going to be joined by Jeannie Brousseau. Uh, Jeannie is the community liaison with Ardent Healthcare, and she's primarily responsible for educating patients and families on the benefits of hospice, home health care, palliative care, private duty caregivers. I just have to share this before we get to let her top on here. But, you know, I started asking some of our past guests and some of the groups that I'm a part of, who is the best person I could ask to hop on with us to educate us about these difficult topics? Jeannie's came up, name came up more than once. So I'm pretty sure we got the right person on here to help us understand all this. So Jeannie, welcome to the Simply Retirement Podcast. Thank you. Absolutely. So again, I, you are one of our mutual friends, Mary Greer. She's actually the first one that mentioned your name. You, I know you're pretty close to her and she, you actually, I think helped, might have heard, helped her out with a pretty difficult situation. But I, I just want to get to give you the chance to share a little bit about your background, how you got to where you are today and how you became the go-to for, uh, for end of life care and helping educate people on that. Well, I will try and keep that short and sweet. Um, <laughs> I moved to Houston in 2008 from Connecticut, and I um, I was in education in Connecticut. Uh, so when I got to Houston, um, a hurricane I hit. So there, 
there's a lot of discourse around. But I ended up working, uh, getting a job at a little local Catholic hospital um, as a unit secretary, and then joined their first patient care uh, technician training program, ended up doing patient care. And then a hospice liaison came to me and tapped me on the shoulder and said, do you want to be my assistant? And I said, well, what does that consist of? So that in 2009 is when I started my journey in the healthcare end of life field, because at the hospital, I worked on their oncology unit. So um, I, I did not know anything about hospice, but I researched, I ask a lot of questions when I don't know something. Um, and I, I kind of joke that I was raised by nurses and social workers and physicians in hospice. They are the ones that trained me and um, I fell in love with it. I absolutely fell in love with the concept of bringing care and bringing peace of mind um, when facing this end of life journey and how can I make that better? So that's my journey. Well, and I'll be completely honest. This is somewhat of a selfish inquiry when I started looking at these topics, because, you know, my, my grandmother is, she's 88. And, uh, again, she's extremely important in my life. If you ever heard my story, she's definitely part of my why, but we also know that, you know, she's, she's starting to experience some of these issues as she's gotten older, you know, her memory is not working quite as good as, as she would like, of course. And so you, you just think that some way down the road, it's going to be something that, you know, the family is going to have to to make some decisions on. And I guess what it, when it comes to comes time for that end of life care, you know, it's often perceived as a very difficult decision. But as we said earlier, knowing more and just being well informed on the benefits can be just a, a huge blessing, I would expect, in helping make those decisions. But one of the things I quite honestly was not completely sure of myself is what the differences are between palliative care and hospice care. So if you wouldn't mind just going into that just a little bit, maybe a brief description of each and then how do they compare and what are some of the key distinction, the distinctions that people need to be aware of? That really is a big one, Eric, because just for my own curiosity's sake, I Googled palliative this morning and the amount of information that came up that really wasn't about a palliative care program was very interesting to me. Um, so the main difference between hospice and palliative care is that hospice is end of life care when a physician determines that their patient has a terminal illness and has a prognosis of six months or less if that disease process follows its natural course. Palliative care is not hospice. It is a supportive care system that helps symptom management, psychosocial issues for the patient in a home setting wherever home is, uh, with symptom management. Uh, I think it just, it helps with symptom management and psychosocial issues, but the patient can receive aggressive treatment. They continue their care. So it's care for a serious illness, but patient is still receiving care. Well, I think that's where some of the confusion comes in is because, you know, as you, I'm sure you're aware, I'm not telling you anything new, but the word hospice itself really scares people, especially if it's the patient themselves. And, but there, there are some some levels of similarity in terms of the care itself, but the, even the terminology can be confusing. So is there very confusing? So is there what would be? Is there maybe a couple of examples of of each? Maybe I don't know if that if that's even a good question. Uh, of when when would you consider hospice, or when would you when should you talk to your doctor about hospice care versus being uh, being able to go the palliative route? To be very honest, once you receive a, a terminal diagnosis, 
that's the time to actually start asking yourself questions and having this discussion with your family on what your goals are, because everybody has a different goal and there's not a right or wrong answer to that. But knowing you have a terminal disease process, you know that you have a life limiting illness. So having that conversation with your physician saying, you know, please let us have this open dialogue to let me know when you think we should start considering hospice. A lot of patients start hospice too late. And what I mean by that is if it's determined that there is no more aggressive treatment that's going to improve the quality of your life and this disease process is causing you to to decline quicker and quicker, why not get the supportive care at that point? We talk about that six-month prognosis. And that is a physician asking themselves, would I be surprised if my patient is not with us in six months? We don't know. There is no solid answer to that question. So if we're focused more on quality of care and symptom management rather than curative care, then that is the time to start looking at hospice services. When you get hospice services early, earlier, it actually gives you more time. Uh, There are studies that say that people on hospice services live longer than people who are not on hospice services uh, for that terminal illness. So getting on hospice services when you qualify, when when that clinical criteria is there, allows you to get to know your team. Your team gets to know you. They can determine changes and decline and be able to adjust that plan of care that meets your goals and your need rather than coming on when there's two weeks of life left or one week of life left. When at that point, the only thing we can do is to help our patients get comfortable rather than utilizing all of the rest of the services with counseling and spiritual advice, social work needs for community needs. There is a lot involved with hospice that not only benefits the patient, but also the family and the primary caregivers. So speaking of caregivers, as you think about, you know, somewhat of a stigma around even the word hospice, but what you just said is that you really need to try it. If it's reasonably possible, start hospice care as soon as possible. Are there any suggestions, any speaking points that you feel like would help? Maybe it may be the family members that we're talking about helping in this case, where they're going to the to the individual and saying, here's why we think you ought to at least consider hospice. Because it's almost, it's almost like it's a four-letter word. And again, I'm kind of using my family as an example where, again, it's the H word. You don't say hospice around my grandmother because she hears that and she immediately thinks, well, you're going to put me in a facility or something. And so she really struggles with that because she's very much, she's been in her home. You know, she, Unfortunately, she's been in her home way more than you know, what she would really like, but she's very immobile. So that's kind of the way it is now. But even so, when she hears, if that word gets thrown around and it it doesn't really get thrown around around her (laughs) at this point, but what can, as speaking points, or how how would you talk about it? How would you go about trying to talk about hospice with a family member that may potentially really need, really benefit from that type of care? I would actually start with the conversation of advanced directives. What do you want? What are your goals? What um, have you thought of? You know, we're all going to be at this point in our life, uh, no matter what. So what are your concerns about dying? Are there spiritual concerns? Are there physical concerns? And the biggest one of that is pain. I don't want to die in pain. 
Uh, So it's being able to have that managed. And I think that showing the respect to your family members on listening to them and having them write down what they think. And I also think really sitting down with somebody who is an expert in hospice and can discuss everything that's involved, everything that's covered by Medicare, when it is time, how long can you stay on it? Can you get off? Yes, you can revoke services at any time. You can transfer to another another company if you're not happy. Can your physician be involved? Yes, your physician can be involved. Um, So a lot of people have the misconception that hospice comes in, takes you off all of your medication. You can't talk to any of your doctors. You can't go back to the hospital. And that's just not the case. Our goal, of course, is to keep our patients out of the hospital and make sure and uh, control their symptoms and, and keep them comfortable at home. But it is still their right to make that decision. So the medications, hospice covers the medications that are directly related to the diagnosis. But most of their home medication medications can still be continued as well. They can be ordered by the medical director and the patient still gets those through their prescription drug plan. So it is coming up with a plan of care that's going to best fit the needs of that patient. Excellent. You mentioned advanced directives and, you know, as a financial planner, that's, you know, we talk about estate planning with every client. We need to make sure you've got your estate plan. You know, when most people think about estate plan, the first thing they think is will or trust or those types of documents. But actually, if we're talking about a a full, complete estate plan, it's going to include advanced directives. It's going to include medical power of attorney. It's going to include all those additional HIPAA documents. It's going to include all those important documents that, you know, today we don't want to think about, but at some point are going to be applicable for probably most of all of us. So how do the, from a timing perspective on the advanced directives, you think about your mind might change, of course, when you're, you know, you're 65 and you're getting your wills done, you're getting your advanced directives done. And then when you're 95 or 90 or whatever it might be, all of a sudden now you're in, you're in that situation but from a timing perspective, you know, does it make sense to say, hey, let, let me try to do the best I can to guess at what would be at 65 or what my thoughts would be down the road or just simply revisit those documents and say, hey, let me rethink all this and let me just do new documents at this point. You can change your documents at any time. I think the most important part of the advanced directives is that medical power of attorney and the and the living well. You want to choose a medical power of attorney that is going to honor your wishes. Right. Um, and going to follow through with what you have written down for your goals. That isn't always a family member. So you just right. want to choose wisely on, on who is going to best represent your interests. Um, a living will is also really important. It gets down on paper how you want your medical treatment to go. Now you mentioned something earlier, um, and as you know, you again, you know Mary Greer. She's a, she's very passionate about home care. But you talked about you know potentially having care in your own home, and for the most part, that's what most people like to do. They like to stay in their home as long as possible. But if you can kind of talk through number one, where where do you typically receive hospice care or palliative care in your home, a facility? And I know it can be both, but maybe some decision points around that. But also then, when people hear the word home care or, or home health. How does all that tie together? How does it fit together from a comparison standpoint? So there's a big difference between home health and home care. Okay. And a lot of people get those confused as well or use those interchangeably. And they are two completely different programs. Home health is a skilled service. You have nurses, therapists, dietitians coming in 
to help you improve or treat um, your illness to get you either to a better quality of life or to maintain uh, the quality of life that you have. So keyword there is treat and skilled need. Home care is non-medical. So there are two different types of home care. There is companion services, and then there are caregivers. So caregivers, think of that as um, they are trained caregivers to provide non-medical care, but on a higher acuity. Companions are just that. They are there to sit with you, make sure you're not getting out of bed. They're engaging you uh, mentally. So home care is private pay. Home health is built through insurance. So private pay for home care, there are three ways to pay for that. It is either private pay, it is long-term care insurance, or VA benefits. Okay. So where can you get each of those levels of care? Hospice, you can get that anywhere. You can be in your, your residential home, a residential care home, assisted living, independent living, nursing home, wherever you call home. Home health. You can get that anywhere but a nursing home because that's that's skilled nursing. Okay. Right there. At home care, you can get in any situation because it's a private pay situation. If your loved one is in the hospital and you're not able to be there with them and you want someone there advocating for them, you can hire a private duty caregiver to stay with them. When your loved one is coming out of the hospital and going back home, they may need a caregiver or maybe a week to make sure that they're transition transitioning appropriately back home so that they're not bouncing back to the hospital. Okay. And so just being very specific on this case, then in terms of paying for these services, specifically palliative care and hospice care, how do you pay for palliative care? How do you pay for hospice care? Hospice care is paid for 100% by Medicare. Okay. If you have a Medicare Advantage plan right now, hospice is built through the traditional Medicare part of that. Anything that's not related to that terminal diagnosis will still go through that plans. It will still go through that plans program on your co-pays and your deductible. But hospice is not that. You don't need to meet a deductible for that. Okay. Most insurances, most private insurances pay for hospice. Um, but if it is a commercial insurance, you are still responsible for those co-pays and deductibles. Okay. So it is It is also covered under TRICARE. For home health, that is going to be running the insurance benefits. That is going to see who is in network, which home health company is in network with your insurance, and what is it going to cover? Because each plan has uh, a different minimum of visits, maximum of visits, and what it's going to pay for. Palliative care is paid for by Medicare, most PPO plans. Okay. HMOs, those are a little trickier. So we want people to be very aware of where are they in their health journey uh, when open enrollment comes around? What are you going to need? Are you know? Do you have a very serious illness that is going to need more care in the next year? Maybe you should be looking at some different plans there. Okay. So how specifically does Ardent Healthcare and what is your role? How, do, how does Ardent Healthcare help people with these decisions? What role can they play? What role do you play within that? If that's if that's important to, to make the audience aware of, what do you guys do? As community liaisons, we do the education. 
Okay. Uh, we, we go out and make sure that we are explaining each level of care completely, appropriately, making sure all of their questions are answered, uh, even the ones they haven't thought of yet, and then to help guide them and speak with their physicians on what level of care is right here, what is appropriate here, and encouraging them to have that conversation with their physicians as well. Ardent Healthcare is locally owned and operated. Um, we've been in business for almost 17 years. Uh, we were actually just voted number 10 in the country by Fortune Magazine wow. on best senior services place to work. Very nice. So, and the, yeah, in the entire country, that was that was pretty big press. Absolutely. Um, very proud to be part of this team. So we really um, do the continuum of care. You know, the okay. palliative supportive care will oversee those patients that have a serious illness, not ready for hospice yet, still seeking aggressive treatment. And there's no time frame that somebody can be on palliative care. It's not two weeks. It's not six months. It's however long you want that care and you still have that serious illness and need need that support system. But the nurse practitioner and the social worker are also there to guide the family and the patient and their support system on when is it appropriate to transition to hospice. Okay. So that they're not falling through and we're bringing them on two weeks ahead of time, that they're getting the benefits that are right for them at that time. So with our private duty caregivers and our home health, we cover all of those services for our patients. So what is a, maybe an example scenario, a family member or the patient themselves, they have questions. What would the typical process look like? Do they just schedule a call? Do they contact you? What would be the, the best way for them to start gathering information on trying to make some of these decisions? They can either contact me. You have my contact information. They can contact our office at 469-293-1515, or they can go to our website where there is an area that says, please contact me. I have questions about, uh, and then those inquiries are sent out to a community liaison um, okay. who covers that territory because we cover all of DFW. Okay. Um, it, it is not just Dallas or just Flower Mound or just McKinney. It is the entire DFW area, including like all the way up to Gainesville and Decatur and Wiley. So a large range of coverage area. And then we come out and we discuss what those needs are and what those questions are. And then we will take the appropriate steps to gather the information on the appropriate information on what is needed for that level of care that they are seeking. Excellent. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that you feel like we need to make sure that the audience is aware of when it comes to end-of-life care? Have the discussion early. I know we covered that, but I cannot stress that enough. Start having the conversation. I actually, probably six, seven years ago, had tried to have this discussion with my father. And it was, ooh, you know, he didn't want to talk about it. And I said, well, dad, this is what I do. I need to know what your wishes are. But it did spur him on to contact his elder care attorney and get his plans in place. So if that's all it did, I'm happy. That was my right. goal. And make sure that you are speaking with your physicians and letting them know what your goals of care are. The other big one is that it is your choice to choose the company that you want to care for you. There's not one hospice. There's not one home health. Do your research. Look at Medicare.gov. Look at the reviews. Make sure that you are choosing the company that you feel most comfortable with and interview a couple of companies. 
Excellent. Well, Jeannie, this has been so valuable. I really, I, I do, I would agree now that we have picked the right person to educate the audience on uh, on end-of-life care and hospice care and palliative care. Again, being somewhat selfishly asking these questions just because I know that our family is going to be dealing with this. So uh, we'll definitely be sharing your contact information in the in the show notes and the episode summary to make sure that uh, the people know how to find you and reach out to you if they have questions, reach out to Arden Healthcare, or again, as you said, just reach out, just have the conversation, get the conversation started. So I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Eric, how do people get in touch with you if they have some questions? Yes. To learn more about our firm at Blake Wealth Management, visit our website at blakewealthmanagement.com. There you can learn about our team, learn more about my story and my background and my family uh, and why this is all so important to me. Uh, you can also sign up for our newsletter, our Simply Retirement newsletter, our YouTube page, our blog, all that fun stuff. But if you're a woman that is less than five years from retirement and you have questions about how to optimize your Social Security, minimize your lifetime tax liability, and investing smarter, please just click that Start Here button. That will allow you to review our process for how you can make an educated and informed decision about whether we are the right firm to help you in navigating your retirement journey. Well, thank you to you both. And thank you for listening today. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with your friends. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. That's it for today's episode of the Simply Retirement Podcast. We hope you found our insights and advice helpful in planning for a fulfilling retirement. Don't forget to take action on what you've learned today. Visit our website at blakewealthmanagement.com to learn more about our firm and review our Simply Retirement Roadmap process to get you on the right path to the retirement you deserve. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Thank you for joining us on this journey, and we look forward to helping you achieve your retirement goals. Remember, retirement is not the end of the road. It is the start of a new journey. So embrace it and make the most of it. Until next time, take care. Content here is for illustrative purposes and general information only. It is not legal, tax, or individualized financial advice, nor is it a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any specific security or engage in any specific trading strategy. Results will vary. Past performance is no indication of future results or success. Market conditions change continuously. This commentary reflects the personal opinions, viewpoints, and analyses of Blake Wealth Management. It does not necessarily represent those of RFG Advisory, their clients, or their employees. This commentary should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by Blake Wealth Management or RFG Advisory or performance returns of any client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. Advisory services offered by investment advisory representatives of RFG Advisory, a registered investment advisor, Blake Wealth Management, and RFG Advisory are unaffiliated entities. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where RFG Advisory and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advisory services may be rendered by RFG Advisory unless a client agreement is in place.